Welcome back to another episode of Sit and Kick Podcast. I'm your host, David Ribich. And I am your better host, Josh Kerr. We had our first guest on for the season two uh, efforts of the Sit and Kick Podcast. So we're pretty excited to show you how that interview went. And, you know, we dove, dove deep into, you know, what it's like to, to run a marathon within a six six meter radius. Yeah, no kidding. And um, James Campbell is our guest and he goes into the detail and kind of the planning that went behind a tweet on March 30th. Um, and then 20,000 retweets later, his efforts on April 1st, his birthday of running a marathon in his backyard. And, you know, he raised over 29,000 pounds um, throughout this efforts for the NHS um, healthcare, And that's averaged out at like 15 pounds per person, which is also the average weight of a small dog. So it's crazy <laughs> how all those things work out. Yeah, not only did we have a great interview, Dave spent most of the time ripping into the, the UK culture, but that's fine. Uh, National Health Service is the, is what the NHS stands for. And, you know, he, he definitely did his um, utmost to, to raise as much money as possible. And, and he had the backing of some world-class commentators. And uh, there was a lot of people hanging over his fence to watch in. So, you know, me and Dave had a little watch of it. And um, it was a, an unbelievable event and something that people could get behind in, in this um, difficult time for everyone. And, and when everyone's, you know, trying to look out for some entertainment. So, yeah. So enjoy this episode. And if you guys want to watch the marathon while you listen, go to YouTube and just type in uh, James Campbell Backyard Marathon. Or what do you guys call it? Back Garden? Back Garden. Back Garden right. Marathon. Run that intro. A, a slow, meandering affair. He wants to kick, he's got to go now. We're with Josh Kerr. All right, here David Ribbage. Josh Kerr. David Ribbage. Josh Kerr's for real. Fastest D2, 1500 meters. Josh Kerr on the outside. Way up front now is David Ribbage. See as which foot comes up. All right, there we go. Yeah, I had a me and Josh filmed an episode last week, and I failed to press the record button after we taped it for about 50 minutes. So <laughs> I'm kind of in the hot seat to make sure that it's recording before we start talking. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Okay, so today we have our first guest of the season two of the Sit and Kick podcast, James Campbell. You may know him as the six meter marathon back garden runner, and but I would personally know him more as the uh, Scottish javelin record holder. But we have him here today and we're going to have a good conversation with him and kind of talk through his whole experience. So, James, it's lovely to have you on. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to this conversation and learning a bit more about the marathon because neither me or Dave have actually run it before. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, obviously, it'll be interesting to hear an actual couple of runners' uh, opinion on it as well because <laughs> I'm definitely not a runner. <laughs> yeah well i mean five hours and five minutes is no joke to be fair and with all those turns then you know yeah i, th I think you could really get going on a real marathon so you know i, I wouldn't i wouldn't put yourself down like that I, yeah i'm pretty sure i'm going to get bullied into doing a proper one now as well so um i've, <laughs> I've tried i say i've tried running a couple of times since and well you we can chat about it more in a minute but I, I, <laughs> yeah I, I genuinely don't if it had just been me on my own, I don't think I'd been able to do it. I think it was purely the pressure of people watching, and I just got in some sort of zone that I've never been in before with running. And once I started, I just knew I couldn't stop. And then that was kind of that was my only thought process, and that and stay distracted. We were following it um, kind of from day one, even before the marathon happened. Like on March 30th, even when that tweet went out, um, we were sending it back and forth. Like, did you see this? This is crazy. And then. 48 hours later, it's this full-blown production and full-blown um, uh, marathon. So, like, what kind of started, like, the idea behind this and, like, why the marathon? So, genuinely, I, I've, I've never intended to run a marathon. Never. This never <laughs> even crossed my mind. Um, it's one of those things, you know, people talk about sometimes and you think, oh, at, what, at some point in the future, I might do it. And then I'd been at home uh, on my own for a week. Uh, well, with a dog, but I was just at the point, you know, you know, you're clearing all the rooms out, you're just doing so many boring jobs. I've not been able to work either because both of my jobs are I work in a gym and I do sports massage, I've not been able to do either. So I was just sat there, I, I sat down for about half an hour after doing some cleaning, and I just thought, what is literally the most stupid thing I can do? <laughs> like, genuinely, like, for me, as an individually, for me, knowing that I don't, I've never been a fan of running, I play, I play football, but, um, I've just, 
you know, I can't go for more than sort of 5k run without. Just, no, it's just not for me. So yeah, I took one took one look at the garden. I knew I needed to mow the lawn. <laughs> the picture just looked was designed to look as terrible as possible as well. I just thought, took one look at the garden. I thought, oh, I'm just going to put this on Twitter as a bit of a joke. And if it if it happens, then I will do it. It was one of those things. I I literally I'm I'm quite often putting myself through a, a hell of a lot of pain just because. I'm this bored. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that was the only real thought process, process there was. And then, um, it's well, yeah, you put it out and you hope, I secretly hoped it would happen just because it would create some excitement for me more than anything. And it'd give me something to do. Yeah. Um, and then it quickly gained momentum and then it just went out of control. So, <laughs> yeah. How, so long, how I, long did it take? For for like for you to get those ten thousand retweets was it was de- I'm guessing the 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 Raheem Sterling effort really put you in a in a bad place for all for all the retweets. <laughs> but what like how long did it take from from when you put that tweet out to like when you know you hit that ten thousand mark? So actually, it hit ten thousand. It was about five hours twenty about five and a half hours exactly. I think so. I put it out just before five p.m. and then about wow. twenty twenty five past ten, it hit ten thousand. Um, it was. Yeah, it got a few retweets from. I think the first person that got it, the ball rolling was a girl that goes to the gym. Who's a she's a presenter on BT Sport, um, and she just put it out there, and a few people started to retweet it from her. And then who was it? Shane Lowry, the golfer, got hold of it. Yeah, he retweeted it, and it started to build. It got to a couple of hundred. Then Lee Westwood, the golfer, retweeted it. Really? Wow. And then. <laughs> So the whole golf community got on it eventually. And then um, the one that really, I thought I was there, Jonathan Davis, the rugby commentator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then Channy Gray-Thompson. And then the one that really killed me was Mishi Batshuayi, who plays for Chelsea. <laughs> he's got, I think he's got 1.8 million followers and he's like Ooh. renowned for his sort of banter on social media. He's really yeah. funny the stuff he puts out. So once he did it and he actually quoted it as well and, um, and then I had 5,000, yeah, well, yeah, Raheem Sterling retweeted it eventually as well. Um, <laughs> but how hard 5, was it? in half an hour, I think. But, yeah, uh, how yeah. hard was it to sleep that night? Because you you did it in a five-hour <laughs> span. Like, I feel like I wouldn't be able to sleep. <laughs> yeah, you, you're spot on, actually. Because I, so I, that day, I'd obviously, I haven't been sleeping that great anyway. Just out of routine and everything's not really gone to plan. And then I got three hours sleep that night. I was awake until... I put the video out saying yeah. what was going to happen. Um, I put that out just after midnight. Got to sleep about probably half two in the morning. And then, obviously, like, my heart rate was going, <laughs> what, 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 have, what have I done here? I've like, created an absolute monster. Yeah. Um, and it was just, yeah, it was just, it was just funny more than anything. And then, got, so I got three hours sleep on the 30th, between the 30th and 31st. I had the whole day then um obviously i needed to buy enough supplies to fuel myself and um i needed to you know measure out the garden mow the lawn and then obviously we had to set up the live stream which happened because vinko sport a girl called becky hall got in touch who i think she's done some work with vinko sport and they they stream the diamond well they help work on the production of the diamond league uh, coverage and and they've streamed a lot of athletics meetings before so the guy matt quine um it's just incredible what they did they managed to do in that space of time getting a bar to donate on the screen and yeah it just the, the idea just kept snowballing snowballing and it was like yeah we'll get some commentators on and because <laughs> my original plan was like i'm gonna have to stream it just so people know i've done it um, yeah but then yeah for it to have the the kind of production value and the quality of what they put together in that Short, short period of time was unbelievable and that was the bit that really made it yeah do you think like when did the nerves start kicking in when you're like okay like people are getting behind this this is becoming more real like i can't not do this at this point like when you've got you know the, <laughs> the class of commentators you've got vinco sports which is like the biggest like platform for athletics in the uk uh just all behind it like like was there a moment you were like oh God, I'm gonna actually have to do this and finish this. And I've never really ran a marathon before, no matter in my back garden. <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose the other thing I did on the day before was I, you know, I'd marked out 
or I, I kind of worked out a rough pace per minute. So I ran for a few minutes and just see how many lengths I would do and then worked out a rough time to do it. And at that point, obviously, I knew. I was, I was completely comfortable with the fact I had to do it. The, yeah. the thing for me was more than anything was navigating it without, because I, I was aware, I was getting messages from people saying this is going to destroy your knees, it's going to destroy your yeah. ankles. Mm-hmm. Um, I was fully expecting to, you know, cramp up or maybe, I don't know, hurt my calf or something. Um, so it was just finding ways to navigate it. And obviously, so I'd, the, th- the thing that probably makes it easier in some respects than an actual marathon in terms of like the nutrition and hydration, I just had everything lined up so I could just reach for it whenever I wanted. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I couldn't get, I couldn't really build up enough speed to get hugely out of breath. So it was like, it was really weird. I just felt, I just felt like I was plodding around my garden for, for five hours <laughs> and the same sort of pace. I never really felt like I slowed down until I got to about, when I got to 10K to go, um, my left knee did feel like it was twice its normal size, but then mm. I'd been varying the directions I was going in and um, I kind of worked out that it was going to be a little bit quicker than I'd anticipated because I'd measured 6.4 metres. Sort yeah. of. Mm-hmm. The two duct tape lines were 6.4 metres, but because I kept doing figure of eights and changing direction, um, sometimes it was nine, eight, nine metres, I don't know. So it just, mm-hmm. and I was trying to vary it as much as possible, just depending on how my body felt um and then yeah it just ended up being the same loop for the last probably <laughs> seven eight k just because just because it was the least impactful on my knee yeah um, yeah like in terms of actually knowing i had to do it i was it was i don't know it was it's a buzz i've not had since um since really doing athletics to be honest because my my career ended early. It never got to a point where I wanted it to be. And then, but this, the buzz I got from this kind of topped anything with that. Just, you know, they know the people are watching, you know, the fact that it's raising money, so much money for a great cause. And it's just the fact that uh, it was, and it was my birthday and it was, it's just such a strange time for everyone. Everyone's at home not doing a lot. And I think that's why it, it caught, caught people's imagination. So, um, yeah, it was more about just, I'm perfectly happy to do it, but I just need to find a way to do it where I don't hurt myself and I actually yeah. finish it at all costs, really. Yeah, I have a few questions that just come off of what you're saying. And one is, it's funny because like I've only seen two marathons. One was the Olympic trials in Atlanta for the U.S. and then second is your backyard. So I have like the full <laughs> spectrum of excellence, right, for these marathons. And it's funny that like speaking with marathoners – they all say around like 20 to 22 miles is where you start to see God. Like that's where you really have to dig deep. And you said it like 10 K to go, which would be around 20 to 21 miles is like where your body started to kind of feel it. And so I just wonder if there's a comparison of just like the duration that like, this is when it starts to hurt, whether you're running two ten pace or five hour and five pace in the back garden. So I just think that's pretty funny that you, you mentioned that because Similarly to what marathons experience, um, they also say that's like the exact time where they start feeling like they're giving out. Yeah, that was for me. It was always like there's the physical pain, but the I suppose the thing I was most worried about was was getting cramp. I think. Yeah. Um, but because I had you know I had electrolytes and you know sh- sugary drinks and bagels and bananas, and I just I I started to fuel up on those fairly early um, to avoid playing catch up. So I didn't want to get to a point where, you know, something started to cramp up and then I try to overcompensate and, and sort it out then. So I actually think I nailed it on that respect somehow, mm-hmm. um, which more by luck than, than judgment. Um, but yeah, the ten, yeah, 10 K to go, it was, I th- I'm a C or sorry, at the 20 mile point, I think, yeah, for some people it'll be a physical pain. For some people it'll be they've just completely run out of energy reserves and you're just running on empty. Um, yeah. I think for me, for me that bit was okay because I had, yeah, I had all sorts of drinks and food lined up. So it was just the physical pain. Um, so I was kind of limping for the last, yeah, the last <laughs> hour felt like I was pretty much limping, but it was, it wasn't getting any worse. It just felt like it was a weird sensation. It was like the the outside of my left knee just felt like it had completely blown up and then um but once I found a, the same sort of path to navigate 
in the same direction it was it was okay so it was uh yeah it was weird it's just Mm. just a really strange (laughs) really strange experience (laughs) um do you have to do any like self-treatment then since then just to kind of get your uh you need to free up or anything yeah I've, I've, well i've done i've done some treatment on my calves and my it was weird because like that night when i went to bed so to describe the sort of pain it felt like the outside of both of my knees had really swollen up it felt like the sort of the back and the middle of my left knee had was swollen and then it felt like someone had hit both the front of my kneecaps with a hammer that's the only way to describe it and it was like throb they were throbbing and like for most of the next day they were throbbing and then the pain moved up into my quads um, my ankles my ankles were a little bit sore but nothing that bad and my calves actually were, were pretty good i think i was really having to pay attention to the to the way i was contacting the floor trying to make it almost almost heel or flat foot so that's why it probably looked like i was shuffling a lot so i wasn't running on my toes very much which i think is the bit that saved my calves um because yeah you don't, it's not like you get a chance to stride out and end up extending off your toes anyway in that in such a short space so it was the calves were the bit i was most worried about at first um, <laughs> yeah they yeah. actually survived pretty well but um yeah my legs felt did, didn't feel didn't feel very good for a few days after it but actually wasn't quite as bad as I was expecting. So I was fully expecting to not be able to walk for about two weeks, I think, when I started well, it. Well, I'm going to say, like, you ran five hours and five minutes, and that is no joke. Like you, you, like you said before, you were thinking, like, were, were you, like, going to triangle so five? You spoke a little bit about being just over six was the goal, right? Yeah, so I'd worked it out in the pace that I worked out the day before. Um, I just, I basically did a few minutes worth and just tried to find an average of how many lengths of the garden I would do in a minute yeah. at a very, very steady sort of pace. And, and I think I worked it out. It was about 100 and say about 130, 140 meters per minute. And that was without kind of breaking sweat and something that I felt like I could just keep moving at. Yeah. Um, but then I didn't take into account, obviously, the changes of direction. And then every time I did that, it would add one to two, three meters um, sometimes. And then that quickly just kind of yeah it took just under an well I suppose about an hour off what I thought I was going to do in the first place so um I don't know it's, it's weird so like you think because if I was to go and run a proper marathon without like visually it'd be so different because you're constantly looking into the distance all I had to do was just keep moving yeah um, at a pace where um i knew i could just maintain it and i didn't really have to push very hard i just all i knew is i had to finish it anyway um, yeah but with, with, obviously with a proper marathon you've got yeah, a completely different sort of visual feedback and you've got um the potential to go off too quick or not be able to fuel up properly so it did have its advantages i think <laughs> yeah. yeah definitely yeah so it's, it was a weird one so if you ran like the London Marathon or something, what do you think you could run? Like I'm gonna say, you know, you know, two hour the two hour barrier is probably a little bit outside your reach, but I don't I don't know. If you <laughs> if you put Kipchoge in the back of back of your garden, I'm not sure he's running sub five, if I'm being honest. <laughs> so it depends it depends what shoes he has on, but we'll we'll see. What shoes did you wear for the for the marathon? I just wore some Adidas Ultra Boost, like the most comfortable ones I've got from the gym. Um, yep. I've I've had Milo. I used to wear sort of the Adidas Myler type shoes when I when I trained back in the day. This was six, seven years ago. They were I always used to prefer those, but um, I just thought, what's the most comfortable pair I've got that are not going to rub or um, yeah, going to be supportive and just be more like more like pillows on my feet than uh, than something that's going to give me too much sort of feedback through the ground. I've got. It's weird. Man. Both my second toenails are, are completely black, that, and I had a couple of little blisters, but nothing, nothing major. So that could have been a lot worse, I suppose. But, um, Your feet yeah, would definitely. have felt like a pedicure if you had a pair of Brooks shoes on. I can tell you that. Yeah, that's right, Dave. Uh, yeah, that's right. You know, uh, throwing throw a sponsor plug as much as we can. Both of yeah. Josh and I are, are sponsored by by Brooks, which you probably know. And um, yeah. as athletes, um, you you being an athlete included. 
did you miss that sense of like euphoria going into this race? Like, you know, when you're going into a race or um, an event or a, a track meet and you kind of have like this anticipation and buildup of emotions. Like, did you feel that going into this and did you miss that feeling as an athlete? Yeah, massively. Yeah. I was, it's something I've, I've never been able to replace it. Um, and like I said, I had with my athletics career it ended very prematurely. It was kind of, it was over at age 23, but I didn't find out really until I was age 26 because I had three shoulder operations in in less than two years, um, trying to get back fit, and it all just went it all just went horribly wrong. And I, um, like the year before London Olympics, I was pretty close to qualifying, and then you know everything started to go well, and then all of a sudden that was it. It was it was over. So uh, that's that feeling of euphoria. I probably had had it quite a few times as a junior, and then my transition into senior athletics wasn't very smooth, and then it all started to go well. And then it just came to a stop because of injury. So I'm, I never fulfilled that. And But that feeling of euphoria, especially when I finished, when I finished and I kind of, um, it wasn't necessarily the fact that I finished. It was the fact that like what the guys had done to put that stream together and they managed to get so many people mm-hmm. to watch it and like that. And the fact that it raised so much money, that was the kind of, that was the most satisfying bit. I wasn't that I almost wasn't that bothered about finishing it because I kind of, as it progressed, I was like, I'm going to be all right here. I'm going to get through it. And um, But just seeing the total of the money keep topping up and uh, people's reaction to it, that was the bit that really got me. That was the bit that, um, yeah, it was amazing. I was, I was something I'll never forget. It was like a genuinely like, yeah, it just choked me up at the end of it because I was thinking, yeah. It's incredible, the response to it. Yeah, and I mean, like, the conversations that were being had from the commentators, like, they helped make that just like a once in a lifetime watch. And some of the things that you said towards the end and some of the things that they were saying, like, um, I can't remember which commentator made mention of it, but it's like, you're going to be recognized as a guy that did the marathon in your backyard and surely you will be. Um, and then there was another question that, Oh, well, what I was going to say was there's like a hundred thousand people that have watched that live over, um, youtube i mean there's probably been some reruns and things like that but just the fact that all of it was able to come together um so well is also i think just a a testament to how much people want to be able to give back and help in this time and the fact that it was linked to a fundraiser and like 29 um, thousand pounds which is a currency that doesn't make sense to me at all um but um as an american you know not a lot of things make sense to me in terms of foreign so um so it was your birthday you made mention that like you're not really sure what you would have done on your birthday, probably just hung out and, and been alone and bored, but it was also April Fool's Day. Like, was there some, like, backboard that you had, like, ah, I could just throw in an April Fool's joke at the last minute and just say, not actually going to do it, guys. Gotcha. That was the thing that, before it, because it it was already at £5,000 before I'd started, and I was thinking, like, <laughs> that's pretty risky from people to donate when it could quite easily be an April Fool's joke. It, it all just... Obviously, I did it on the Monday without really considering, oh, I'll do this Wednesday if it happens, if, if it gets to 10,000 retweets. And then, uh, yeah, because it quickly snowballed. I was thinking, well, I've just got to get on with it and do it. And and then, so I'll do it on my birthday. It'll make it one to remember. Um, and it's April Fool's Day. And everyone's bored at home. So it just, everything just kind of timed perfectly in that respect. Um, so it was just... Yeah, I was I was quite aware people would think it was a wind up, which is why I wanted to to find any way to stream it. So I would have just done it through my phone if I had to, like any sort of basic way. But yeah, for them to to do the job they did with it was um, yeah, just the bit that made it. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, do you think that you know when you ran the marathon? Obviously, it was tough. It was difficult to to get through. It was mentally like really draining and stuff. And one one of the I think Rob Lowe was talking a little bit about. Um, there's a guy that's done like nine London marathons in like a dinosaur suit. And after every marathon he runs, he goes, you know, I'm never doing that again. And then a couple of months later, he's like, oh, no, I could do it again. Just because like, you know, it's something to do. It's the rush. It's like you don't you don't remember all the pain and all the, you know, the hard work throughout it. Do you think you'd ever do anything along those lines again? Like what is your 33rd birthday going to look like? It might have to be an annual tradition. Now. I think <laughs> maybe. For, I don't know, because like. I, if I had a choice um, of doing something like that, it probably would have veered towards bike riding or cycling. Mm-hmm. So, but the fact that that it was something I viewed as potentially so unpleasant 
the <laughs> the mental the mental side of that was the bit that um that I was most kind of keen to to push myself on. Um have you heard of David Goggins? No, I, I haven't. You know? You have to look him up after this. He's basically a guy who he ended up becoming a Navy SEAL. He was just a bit of a he had a tough upbringing and I've been listening to his to his book recently um, and a lot of podcasts and it's just about sort of mental strength and and stuff like that and he he basically ended up running about 212 miles in one go at, at one point so it's a pretty extreme extreme example of it but I think um, I was quite so I was quite keen to see what I could do in is that the can't hurt me book that's the one yeah yeah okay yeah. can't hurt me so, yeah master your mind so, defy the odds yeah. okay yeah yeah so that's worth a that's worth a look if you've not read it so obviously i have to tone it down to my sort of level because he's a very <laughs> example of it but there was bits of that i was thinking of kind of as i was doing it and um yeah stuff like that and then i'd have I had a few people on the phone to me during it it was just staying distracted but it was weird because I, I felt like i was in a it kind of felt like it went quite quickly the last 10k didn't but the first four hours yeah did. Um, yeah yeah and, and you said during, like after the feed which i thought was like a really really good quote um where you said and i'm paraphrasing but you said i'll go through these hours of pain um because there's people going through far more pain than i am at this moment and i think that's something that none of us can really take for granted like the fact that us three are just sitting here on a podcast and talking about what's kind of going on in society and we're not necessarily directly affected what's going on we're not medical workers we're not on the front lines we're not having um people um directly affected by this um at least i i don't know anyone directly affected by this and so what you said there i thought was really really um influential and, and like a big takeaway of just like the pain that you went through during those five hours is really nothing compared to like the pain of some of these people of what people are going through in today's age yeah exactly yeah and it's such a yeah such an unprecedented strange time for everyone and um yeah, the only th the only bit about that I was worried about was if if I seriously hurt myself and I had to go home and go off in an ambulance. <laughs> yeah, done yeah. for wasting NHS time. But um, no, I, th I think yeah, but it's just the fact that it's it's all gone to that that sort of cause. And there's a there's a 99 year old man over here in the last couple of days. I don't know if you've seen this. He he's a World War Two veteran and he's um he's a hundred in in two weeks i think and he said he'd do a hundred lengths of his garden on his zimmer frame um <laughs> and he wanted to raise a thousand pounds and it's it's must be near two and a half million pounds he's not raised in two days oh my but, goodness so stuff like that and that's all going to the nhs as well so like and yeah and, oh. and like from a personal perspective my i've said a couple of times my one of my best friends uh wife is in the, is a doctor and she's just gone back to work and she said like what thirty thousand sort of pounds could pay for a couple of ventilators or whatever. So anything that makes a small difference and yeah, um, and and to kind of well not I suppose a, a give people a distraction for a day. Yeah, of people that tuned in and give them a bit of a laugh and um, that was kind of the thought behind it initially. Um, but yeah, the the positive uh, outcome in terms of how much it's raised and and the fact that. I've had a lot of messages from people do it, who want to do similar things. I know people mm -hmm. did, people yeah. did think similar before I'd done it. I, I genuinely didn't. I'd, I'd not seen the story about the guy who did it on his balcony in America. Yeah. Because um, so it wasn't it. as cool. I think it was yeah. too long. The balcony <laughs> was quite long. I heard. No, we, we come up with the original <laughs> ideas. Typical UK, you know, just taking some of the stuff that we make up. But whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> cool, yeah. Um, but I mean, it's cool too that like. Because people are doing this challenge, and like there is a guy that reached out to you to get a retweet, and I know you retweeted him. And it's funny, his marathon in his backyard's actually today. Um, okay. It was on the 14th, and so he's probably doing it right now. Already completed it, um, but like he raised around like 4,000 pounds as well. So it's like when you think of all these people doing these marathons and doing these fundraisers, like an accumulation of pounds. Like th there's a lot of weight behind what, no pun intended, I guess. There's a lot of weight behind the pounds that are just like given as donations to like the NHS and things. Like it's just, yeah. it's really cool to, for everyone to be able to kind of accumulate this this amount of money to be sent in. Yeah, exactly. And I think when, you know, when everything's normal and life's kind of, I don't know, you get people who do a lot of things for charity, but it's just um, having the time and realizing you can use this time to do stuff like that. And 
kind of, I suppose, the sillier, the more silly the idea, the more it's likely to capture the imagination, I suppose, at the moment. And Exactly. And the fact that you had to do it in isolation and it's just all... Do you have any more ideas? You know, it's been, it's been, it's been what, 13 two days? Yeah, it's two been weeks. two weeks. Yeah, two weeks. So, I don't know, because I, I keep getting tagged. Everyone's getting tagged in things at the moment, aren't they? Like, you've got, All right, yeah. you've got a down a, you've got a down a drink, you've got to run 5K, you've got to run 10K, you've got to post a picture <laughs> yourself doing this, you've got to eat this, you've got to shave your head. And so I think I might just do a full day of all that stuff. I might do like three, <laughs> three separate runs in a day and then, I don't know, and try and eat. I don't know. I might have to just fill a day with stupid stuff like that. But yeah, well, you, de- think, you definitely uh, don't need to shave your head. I mean, I feel like you already got that one covered. <laughs> and uh, I, in our episode, too, we try to keep banter as, like, we have, like, a section called Banter Bowl. And, like, so we always want to throw shade. We're not going to go necessarily into that yet. But one of the questions, you brought you brought up the shaved head. Um, so that's kind of where I'm plugging in the question. But did you shave your head for, like, aerodynamicness um, for the attempt? Or, what, like, what was the, the reasoning behind that? No, I, I just... I literally have the hairline of an egg, so I'm just not, I'm not, I'm not blessed in that department. So it's, uh, yeah, the the thing for me would be shaving my beard off. That would be. Out of is that, I've got is that why you have a picture of your face on an egg for your Twitter profile then? <laughs> That's the one. Yeah, the old uh, Instagram filters. <laughs> before we get into that kind of stuff, so what's the state of your garden now? Like, you know, you you did all the the you know making it look perfect and it, it looked pretty good on the day to be fair but uh i can imagine there's the grass might all be torn up now it, actually it it flattened it down um <laughs> and i was lucky if it had rained because I, I, I was thinking if, if it rains this is going to be an absolute nightmare because <laughs> i had the, had the stones the grass and the the paving to navigate mm-hmm. but it actually were it it was fine in that respect and the grass was pretty flat and it's a bit dry now because we've, we've actually had decent weather here so um yeah it's actually i think actually looks better than before so a bit of a result (laughs) yeah the commentators are making mention they're saying this is uh as challenging as a challenging as a course as the world championship cross country you know with the uneven terrain and the the three-part terrain of the grass to the cement to the it's like the commentators are having a, a heyday i feel like with um being able to be a part of this as well how easy was it for those um group of commentators to kind of hop on board and just come all come come all in for i guess the presentation so well i think matt matt quines obviously has the the contacts through vinco sport and i uh, rob walker had um he spoke to me before it and they kind of put a whatsapp group together but then i'm um, yeah i think they were just kind of firing messages out last minute asking people if they could come on so i know there was like marilyn coro andy turner and oh, wow. um, michelle summit people that i've that i know kind of from athletics and from Twitter and whatever. Um, and yeah, and every time I kept looking back at the screen, there was a different face that had appeared <laughs> and there's four or five people talking at the same time. And it was just like, I've, and I couldn't, I could hear some of it, but I, I was kind of trying to get as close to the laptop as I could um, during it to hear what was going on. So I know I missed quite a bit of it and I've obviously watched as much of it back as I can since. But um, yeah, those, yeah, I've, I've I'll never be able to thank them enough for doing that, for giving up their time to do it. And I just, I think most of them just got captivated by it because they thought, who is this idiot? And why is he <laughs> We want to have a little look and see what's going on. So. Yeah, I mean, if, just like, even like when I first went on to watch it and I was like seeing the, I was like, I recognize that voice. Who's commenting on that? And I just, I didn't know how like, you know, from that tweet to when you started doing it, like how that setup would have been like of them, you know, all coming together. And I guess no one's really doing a lot these days. So, you know, they've got the time to put into this. And, you know, Rob Walker came out and said, you know, he has, you know, he was meant to do the, you know, World Snicker Championships, the Olympics, the Paralympics, you know, the X Games, all this stuff. And and uh, <laughs> he, he uh, and then he comes and does a six-hour or five-hour marathon. So, you know, it's it's pretty awesome to kind of see all those guys come together. And, you know, I, I would say, you know, they, they definitely made it into a, an, an amazing event and, and definitely helped with the with all the donations and stuff. So I think he did, Rob did mention that he lived about 20 miles away from you and he was ready to buy you a pint when it's time to uh, everyone come back together and, and, and be out of isolation. So I'm sure you need to take him up on that. 
Yeah, definitely will. Yeah, like, I, like I said, I couldn't, I couldn't thank them all enough for, like, for um, yeah, for, for giving up their time and, and making it especially. It was like I say they could, those kind of people can just comment. They could just commentate on anything. Like, I, yeah, you know, I've seen. There's been videos on Twitter of he's Andrew Cotter, one of the BBC commentators. He's commentating on his dog eating its dinner and just <laughs> yeah. And there's like football commentators commentating on his wife making the family dinner and things like that. And they can literally commentate on anything and make it exciting. So, yeah, if it had just been me plodding up and down my back garden for five hours, it would have been absolutely terrible. So, I mean, you weren't necessarily alone either. I mean, your neighbors were throwing bananas over and they the commentators made mention that it was like a Mario Kart incident. Maybe a banana peel hopped hops onto the ground and you step on it and slip and turn. But you also had like a pretty good hype man, it, it seems like. That was there, just pretty yeah. amped. Yeah, my that's my housemate. So he'd been he'd been uh, staying on his own, sort of not far from me uh, mm-hmm. for a few days before it, um, and then he turned up in the morning, and obviously had quite a lot of beer throughout the day. I think he got through, <laughs> about, he got through about fourteen or fifteen bottles of beer from nine a.m. and he was absolutely having the time of his life. And he. Uh, <laughs> He managed to reset the target, he, so I had to talk him through logging into the just giving account because it, it was originally ten thousand. Then we thought we'd put it up to twenty six thousand two hundred for. Um, oh yeah. From sort of halfway through it, and so um, it was actually an absolute result that he turned up, and uh, so yeah, trying to keep to the social distancing. We've both been all right in that respect. So yeah, by the end of it, he was too excited and jumped. Yeah, straight in for a hug at the end of it. And uh, <laughs> there was like all the neighbours. It was, it was just weird because all the neighbours was, was, had come out and were looking and there was a TV camera and everyone was just stood mm-hmm. two, three metres apart. And it was like, it was just really bizarre like uh, <laughs> aspect to it. Um, yeah. Yeah, he, he definitely helped with the, with the hype. What well, was one of like the, the most surprising experiences that you had through it? Like was it the the amount of retweets was it the donations like what was just super surprising that kind of caught you off guard was it the chafing i can imagine there was a lot of chafing <laughs> in the situation <laughs> I, the chafing actually you know it wasn't there was, a, there was a little bit between yeah between the legs just a little bit I mean, it wasn't anywhere near as bad as i was expecting um yeah the, yeah the most surprising bit was just it was the combination of the the donations how many people got on board to commentate and just um the response like the the like the positive impact of it all like the, just how everything tied together positively and um because i thought no one's going to tune in for a, you know even if there is commentators i was thinking that surely not many people are going to be that interested in me going up and down my garden but i think the fact that it got the retweets and i put a couple of quick posts out on you know i'm not i'm not usually i don't usually post a huge amount on social media anymore but um yeah it just all just kept getting shared and I obviously made it public on Facebook and people were sharing it and sharing it and sharing it. It was just notification after notification. And, um, so I was aware that a few people might tune in, but not, you know, someone told me at one point that it was, I don't know, was something like 65,000 had tuned in during it or I don't know if how many views has been since or whatever, but it was like, this is just crazy. I can't believe, um, can't believe it. And then local, yeah, BBC News turned up. I was on, and on talk sport radio, which is a big national sports radio station over here, they had it on the day before, on the day and then the day after. And like it's something I've, that's something I've listened to for like the last 10 years as well. So to be on that was pretty cool. And then, um, yeah, just loads of people getting in touch the day before. And that was kind of, that was weird. It was just really strange that obviously there's not much going on at the moment. So that, that's why they want to cover it. Um, and the fact that they gave it that much exposure is kind of what added to the that feeling at the end of it of um, I can't believe how much has been donated and and the fact that it's created such a you know positive positive for for everyone off the back of it. So yeah, yeah no, I mean it, it is crazy. And I know I was looking at all the publications um, just before this of who kind of promoted you, whether it was before or after the fact in like Huffington Post, BBC, Chicago Sun, Bleacher Report, Yahoo, CBS Sports, New York Daily, and above all, the Sit and Kick podcast. So it's like, 
it's just crazy. Like this, this Arsenal. Uh, I don't know if Arsenal is a good word for you guys. Like, do you, is Arsenal? I'm a big Arsenal guy. You see. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> no, like, you, word. that's fine. That's fine. Okay. Okay. Yeah. There's. It's just this Arsenal of powerhouse publication companies that are like also just promoting this. Like, not only are, are commentators behind it, or like people donating, but also just like the publications and the reporters that want to just be able to get this story out there. James Campbell's an influencer, man. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> they even got the story about me getting my blue tick removed on Twitter, I think, on during the during the live feed. Oh really? I'm Wait. as far removed from an influencer as possible. Like, <laughs> when we went to Glasgow in 2014, we all got given blue ticks and I was like, I'm not I'm just not having that. I'm not having that <laughs> under any circumstances. So I, I managed to get rid of it within about a day of getting it. So that was Basically, you wanted you wanted to have you, your, your verification taken off you. That, yeah. That's a rare that's a rare feat. Not a lot of people don't want to be verified. You're speaking to a guy <laughs> who has been begging Instagram for a blue tick in in David <laughs> Ribich for about three years now. So if you can speak to those people that took it off you to maybe try and yeah. give it to Dave, that would yeah, be just huge. just try to ask him if I can get the James Campbell tick then on my Twitter yeah. or something. <laughs> Yeah, someone might as well have it. So yeah, it might as well be you. Uh, <laughs> so, so so go through that process. And how did that? Why did you? Yeah. Oh, I was just. I don't know. At the point I was at in my athletics career, then I was like, I'm, you know, I, I was told I'll never throw again. My shoulder was pretty much hanging off. I was probably addicted to painkillers to try and get myself to qualify. And I was just, I was just rubbish at that point. So I was like, <laughs> the fact that someone's going to give me a blue tick just because. I've scraped over the qualifying standard to go to the Commonwealth Games and I was just having none of it at the time. I just thought, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm not having this. And because for years, people would be like, oh, why have you got a blue tick? And I was like, well, oh, well actually, I went to the Commonwealth Games with after with uh, throwing 10 metres less than I threw three years previous when I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't particularly happy with how things are going anyway. So it's just, yeah, I don't know. It was obviously a strange time in my life. So if you got the blue tick for your marathon, would you accept it? Oh, I think I'd have to now, wouldn't I? Yeah. I'd actually, I don't know. Well, I'd have to run proper. Ma- then have to run proper marathons and start doing other stuff properly. <laughs> have to become a bit. big time influencer. <laughs> <laughs> How many followers did you get off it on your Twitter account? Oh, about three thousand three hundred, something like that. Wow. Three thousand three hundred on Twitter and yeah, Instagram doubled and well, more than doubled and the stuff. Off, the stuff I've never. Never really been bothered about. I kind of, uh, I don't know. It's funny. It's just Twitter was the one because, like, anyone who's obviously got a lot of followers, which was something I'm not used to. Not even though four thousand isn't isn't loads, but the, just the notification. So you, I've probably missed so many messages trying to say thank you to people. You refresh it, and there's every time you refresh it, there's like fifty new notifications, and well, I couldn't keep up with it. I tried to reply to as many people as possible, and like emails and i i stupidly didn't turn the uh the donation emails off so every time i got a donation i'd get an email so i had like <laughs> 1200 emails or something on the day so i was trying to fish through them and i ended up missing ones from like important ones from people who were trying to get in touch and yeah i've still still been playing catch up on that recently but yeah it was um yeah i don't know if I don't think that blue ticket will be coming my way anytime soon anyway. So <laughs> yeah, you probably had this feeling of you wanted to be alone during this entire time of isolation for a brief moment with all that going on. Yeah, and then, uh, yeah, also, I guess we have to thank you too then for reaching out to Josh. Um, or Well, us reaching out to you and then you reaching back to Josh to <laughs> confirm this. Reaching, bro. Reaching, reaching, <laughs> reaching. And so we're really reaching for a lot here. Um, and so... Yeah, we thank you just for being able to to find our message in the in the chaos. So, oh, of course, I've, I've yeah, I think I've replied to everyone now. But um, yeah, no, it's been it's weird. I think the one you didn't mention, I was on, I was live on ESPN like a couple of days really? after. Well, so that was like that was crazy. <laughs> I could see, I could see myself on the screen in the ESPN. Obviously, everyone, even if you're not in the US, people know it just from. Even if you've watched sports films over the years, like I don't know, like The Waterboy or something like that, just ESPN is <laughs> like a big, you know, just the big American mm-hmm. sports thing. So we live on that. Was, that was pretty. Uh, That's awesome. Pretty crazy, yeah. So it's yeah, it's really surreal. Um, but yeah, now the notifications have calmed down a bit. So back to back to reality. 
<laughs> yeah, and we, we'll we'll uh, move on to the 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 famous banter ball section of our podcast. Yes. And uh, so what we'll not like what we do now is uh, we'd normally throw banter at each other, but now we have a guest, we have to be polite and throw banter at you. So we've got a couple of things written down that we'll uh, we'll throw at you. But um, so for all the non-UK listeners, um, we have something called the Power of Ten, which is like a big you know, platform for the UK people for whenever you run a race or whatever, you throw javelin, whatever, those marks will all go onto this website and you can edit your profile. And I've never seen a longer profile than James Campbell. (laughs) I didn't realize that you could put when you're what, 13 years old he got like a certificate in swimming he wrote that one in there and you know he, he, right, he I'll did it. That. my mum my wrote that oh i'm my, sure she did genuinely <laughs> my mum my worked for the power of 10 for quite a few years you, keep, you can keep these coming i i've not read it for a long time going to keep going I, bet it's well, I think i think you had a trial with chelsea at age 15 which was the big one right at the front i was like that's pretty <laughs> that's pretty legendary that and then, uh, like, because we were obviously doing research and trying to figure out, has he run anything close to a marathon? And you haven't run anything but 60 meters. It's been recorded on your power of 10. So <laughs> I'd say this is this has definitely been a bit bit more of a, a challenge for you, because I know you haven't run anything more than 60 meters in your career. Because I think you run about 10 meters, 12 meters for your javelin run up or something. So That's you know, right, I think yeah. this is definitely definitely a bit longer than that. I did do. We went to the Commonwealth Youth Games in 2004. I, yeah. I did I did a 200 in the medley relay at that. <laughs> so we didn't have enough people, I don't think. Or, I can't remember if someone got injured. But yeah, I remember doing that. I've run a few sort of 4x100, 4x400 relays back in the day. But that was a yeah, a long, long time ago. So yeah, Will you add Will you add this marath- back garden marathon to your Power 10 bio? Oh, That's the, oh, to the bio? Yeah, it won't get on the performances. <laughs> get on the bio. a proper one for that. <laughs> in the bio. I, honestly, I haven't looked at that for such a long time. I think, yeah. It is it's yeah. top quality stuff, to be fair. <laughs> Josh only mentions it because that's Josh's blue tick. He really takes time to edit his out and make sure it looks pretty. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't edit my power of ten since <laughs> a while ago. I'm sure. I'll get my thumb onto it if you want. Oh, that would be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I got one for you. Do you think that you would have raised more money if you labeled yourself as an Englishman? <laughs> The, oh. anti, the anti-Scottish is coming out in there. Um, oh, the English. Well, if I was the English javelin record holder, I think I don't think I've got into this situation in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> Our life would be very different. Um, well, maybe not. Well, Brit- British. It's going to have to be British, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's fair. Oh, running off that one a little bit. Do you think uh, a real Scottish man will take your record off you at some point? I hope so. Yeah, <laughs> it's, um, it's quite. a Seems to be quite a quiet event up there at the moment. It's always been a bit strange in Britain for that. It was really good for, for a long period of time before, yeah, just before my era. And it's, uh, yeah, everyone's gone. Well, the, the track athletes are the ones that are absolutely bossing it now. So uh, hopefully, hopefully at some point it can go. But don't don't think it'll be anytime soon. <laughs> um, how boring does your life feel now? Yeah, it is a bit. It's just, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's just weird, isn't it? I, I'm obviously have to be appreciative that that is boring, is uneventful, in yeah, of, yeah, the health stuff that's going on or whatever. But um, I was meant to be going on holiday. I, I this is another terrible fact about me. I've not been on holiday, like paid for a holiday, for about eight years, and that's oh, wow. and like so. When I finished athletics, obviously, we used to have the warm weather trip. So you go to Portugal or whatever. I used to go to Portugal and had a good one there in 2012 where I had it basically turned into a free holiday for me because I I realized I needed my second operation on day one and then did, did nothing for two weeks apart from basically get a tan and <laughs> pull, my, pull my hamstring and God knows what else. So, I've um, yeah, I was meant to be going on holiday next week and... And that's not happened. I basically, I got my passport renewed. I hadn't had one for three years. Um, I got it renewed about a week before this all really kicked off. So I don't know if I feel responsible. But, um, <laughs> kind of in terms of timing, I, that couldn't have gone much worse. So, uh, so yeah, that's not. It's it's it is boring, but um, yeah, I just need to find some temporary work now to keep me <laughs> doing anything else silly. 
So I'm back on your um your Twitter, your first ever tweet on June 3rd in 2015. You actually had four tweets on June 3rd of 2015. Um, and one of them was Alan Wells sat on a sofa like hashtag BBC panorama. And it's this man crying. And it seems to be something along the lines of EPO because the next one was might as well buy a lot of shares in EPO after that. <laughs> God, my Twitter. I, I dread to think what's on there. Like, <laughs> good job you can't go back any further than that. I think um, what was that? That was when they did the documentary on yeah, yeah, on drugs in sport or whatever, and mm-hmm. people getting accused with with all sorts. So uh, yeah, there's been a few more of those recently as well, isn't there? So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, perfect. Well, I think that wraps up that last section, and you know, it's been a pleasure talking to you, James, and um, you know, it's been. It's been just an interesting like conversation trying to figure out what that whole experience has been and you know raising that amount of money for for the NHS is definitely going to make that that huge difference and and I think it's you're just giving pages still open so if anyone listens to this and wants to you know send a bit of money over then you know you can do that through James's Twitter and we'll we'll send out some links as well so you know it's been a pleasure speaking to you today James and uh, uh, you know. I can't wait for your next hilarious tweet and, and crazy tweet. It's probably going to come pretty soon, I'm sure. I think it might be sooner than, sooner rather than later, yeah. No, yeah. I appreciate that. Thanks thanks a lot for having me on. Uh, I hope you two can get back to, back to normal yeah. and back to competing soon. Yeah. Thank so. you. Alrighty, then yeah. And um, is there anything else that you wanted to plug in at the last minute in terms of thanks or anything that we didn't cover with our questions that you really wanted to be able to highlight on a podcast? Um, I know. Again, I just say I can't, I can't thank the guys at Vinco Sport and everyone who donate, everyone who donated. Um, I just and even like you guys for doing this, I can't thank everyone enough for just the positive reaction it's had. And um, yeah, just from something that was just a, a split second, uh, spontaneous, stupid idea for you know for for it to have the reaction it did, and the positive impact is amazing. It's something I'll never forget. And uh, yeah, so I'm really grateful that's that's happened, and um, yeah, it's definitely uh, made social distancing and isolation a lot more uh, interesting for me. And yeah, we'll see what we can come up with next. <laughs> Great, perfect, awesome. Well, we thank you. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Perfect, James. I'll speak to you in a bit. Thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. Thank you. With Josh Kerr. All right, here, David Ribbish. Josh Kerr. David Ribbish. Josh Kerr's for real. Fastest D2, 1,500 meters. Josh Kerr on the outside. Way up front now is David Ribbish.